Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two from Radio Row in Los Angeles, the convention center. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Raiders Hall of Famer Fred Bolitnikoff at the bottom of the hour. Also, maybe my favorite defensive player of all time, Ronnie Lott, is going to join us here in a little bit. And we just had Rich Gannon and Bill Romanowski on to kick off the show. And I'm thrilled to talk to Maurice Jones-Drew, MJD, nine-year NFL running back for the Jaguars and the Raiders. And what a great job he does as an analyst for NFL Network. MJD, thanks for joining us from the Raiders set. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm really good. And you heard some of the names we just had on. And once a Raider, always a Raider. I want to start off with Cliff Branch. He has the chance to be the senior finalist and be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame or get to call his family on Thursday night. You know how big of a moment that will be for Mark Davis. Oh, I think it will be huge. You know, the more the, more the Raiders are recognized for – the greatness that they 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 had and the was the commitment to excellence. I remember you know first getting in there and seeing that sign, and I remember in high school playing in in the, in the Coliseum and seeing that all over the locker room. Uh, the more they use those guys start to get in the Hall of Fame, the more they get that recognition. I think the better for that franchise. Um, I know Mark Davis has made some moves and he's doing some things to try to get this the, the franchise back there where they were. Um, but the more those guys are recognized for what they did when they played, the better it is. What was that like in high school to see that and play in a coliseum in the in an NFL stadium? How motivating was that for you as you wanted to play in the next level in college and go to the pros? Um, well, it was it wasn't you know it was more of just living in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Embracing it, going in the locker room. You're seeing you know I, I can't remember who was there then. I think Rich Gannon was there, though. I think West, we saw Rich Gannon. I think we saw Dwayne Kaufman. Um, right. Possibly, I want to say possibly Jerry Rice was there. Mm-hmm. He probably, I think he was there as well. We saw his locker. Um, you know, I was a, I'm a Raider, a diehard Raider fan, though, so when I saw Jerry Rice, it was, it was a little bad blood for me because all the guys <laughs> on my team that were Niner fans were like, he's a Niner, you know. But, but to be able to live in that moment and get that experience was awesome. Right? I go on that field and perform, and, and what that did for me was – it made me realize that no matter how big the stadium is, it's still the football field is still, you know, 120 yards long and 53 and a half yards wide. And, and it really helped me, you know, be able to handle some big time games that I played later in, in my, in my career. And I always go back to that moment saying like in high school, I, I won a championship in, 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 in the Coliseum against San Leandro high school, which was, you know, it was a big time program at the time. So it was, a, it was an exciting moment for me. It was exciting to do it. You know, playing in a coliseum that I've I've been to to go watch games, and um, you know, a long time ago I used to well, not a long time ago, but mm-hmm. when that, before that, a couple of years before that, I used to cut John Madden's grass for him wow. and different things like that. So it was it just it, it was a surreal moment, but it was a moment that I I cherished and I embraced. Maurice Jones Shoe joins us from NFL Network. You mentioned John Madden. His memorial is at the Coliseum after the Super Bowl on Monday night. The amount of people who are showing up is incredible. So your roots were really deep in the Bay Area, and then you end up at UCLA. What was that recruiting process like to leave the Bay Area? Who was coming after you in the Bay Area or other parts of the country before you decided to go to, to become a Bruin? 
Uh, I had Cal. I had uh, Stanford mm-hmm. to take a look at me. I think they wanted me to, to do some more school, and I was kind of over school, high school at the time. So that, I don't think I was going to be able to make it there. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think more than anything, and I tell people this all the time, I just wanted to get away from my mom. I wanted to be far enough away from her where she didn't just pop up. We lived in Antioch. She worked in San Francisco. So that's too much of an easy drive for her to go through Berkeley to literally, you know, <laughs> pop up at the dorm. So I was like, look, I'm just going to get away, but not too far away. So L.A. seemed like the perfect place for me, and it was sunny. It was nice. Um, and, you know, I, I enjoyed it. And, again, you know, Cal did some great. Uh, Coach Tefford, you know, Aaron Rodgers was there um, or just got there. Marshawn Lynch was coming through. He was right behind me. So I knew I was going to have the potential to play with some top-notch guys in the Bay Area. But, you know, when you want to be on your own at 18, you, you tend to, to deal with that. So I decided to go to UCLA and be coached by Eric Bieniemy and Kyle Shanahan and John Embry and Carl Durrell and some big-time coaches who are now Tom Cable, who are now in the National Football League making noise. Um, and uh, it was exciting. It was an exciting time, and I got a chance to learn who I wanted to be, which is fun. We just had on, um, we're talking to Maurice Jones-Drew as we wrap it up. We just had Coach Mariucci on, and he was talking about that beautiful set that you have, which is fantastic, amazing. What's it like going to work there every day as you get better and better as a broadcaster? You know, it's, um, the NFL Network's done a great job. I've been here, I want to say, going on eight years. Um, and to see the growth, right? We've had some change throughout trying to find the right, you know, people, but to see the NFL grow the way it's grown, to see NFL Network grow the way it's grown, and then to be in that beautiful building. And I'll say I work for the Rams as well. I call their games on radio. Sure. So to be able to work at SoFi, to be able to see the the, the, the Super Bowl stadium, to be able to see the NFL work as hard as they've done the last couple of weeks to kind of get it prepared for Sunday, uh, it's been amazing. And, you, don't, you know, a lot of people don't get enough credit for what they do, the security team and all the people they have working and the, the PR staff, the communication staff, the marketing staff, and, all the people that get us everywhere they want to, that we need to go to do shows and all the producers and directors and all the heads of the network. There's a lot that goes into this. And to see it, like, firsthand, because, again, we don't ever see it because it's in a different city, but to see it here in Los Angeles, see the way people are moving, the way things are going, very appreciative of what they've been able to do and, and what they're doing. Maurice, finally, I wanted to ask you about how you're covering the story about Brian Flores. You know that Roger Goodell had his State of the Union today. And we haven't gotten the sound yet from the press conference that has just ended. This is a big moment. You're an NFL partner. I know there are guidelines. There's only, you know, you're allowed to broadcast and give your opinions, and you've always done that. But it's been a really difficult two weeks. A lot of fans on my radio shows are really upset about the hiring practices and what happened to Eric Bieniemy not getting a job again. Brian Flores is out of work. And how do, how do you look at this from inside the NFL world and then take a step back as you can explain what's happening to our listeners? Oh, no, I, I definitely agree. I think that the practices need to be changed. Um, but to be honest with you, I, I tell people this all the time, like the only way it's going to change is if the owners decide to change it, if the people that own the teams decide to change it, right? That, that's what it comes down to. We can argue and complain and we can protest and yell, and, but it comes down to very simple things. If they aren't comfortable with hiring you, they're not going to hire you. And, and that's what it comes down to. As much as, you know, I feel that Eric Bieniemy is overqualified to be a head coach by now. I mean, he's interviewed a thousand times, it seems like, and everywhere he's gone, he's had success. I can give you his track record before me. It was Chris Brown, then it was me, then it was Adrian Peterson and Chester Taylor in Minnesota, then it was Jamal Charles, then he becomes an OC, and you see what the Chiefs have done since he's been the OC, right? Regardless mm-hmm. if he's calling plays or not, they, they're the number one offense in football, and why wouldn't you want that? 
Um, I can tell you the same about Byron Leverage, a guy who I played with and who taught me how to study and learn the game of football at, a, at the highest of levels, right? Uh, Brian Flores and his success down in Miami, all those different things. If the owner isn't uh, – if the owner, whoever's getting his advisors or whatever the committee is, if they're not comfortable with you, they're not going to hire you. And so uh, do I – would I tell the enemy to change who he is to get hired? No, be you. Mm-hmm. Because when you get that opportunity – and it will come eventually, whenever it comes. You got it because you were who you are, and you never fear, you never wave from that. And I think that's the most important thing. And so, there's going to be, you know, we always talk about the, you know, the six or six to eight jobs that are open every year. It'll be next year. There'll be six to eight jobs open. I guarantee it. And guess what? There'll be another cycle for being me to try to get hired. And if he gets hired, awesome. If he doesn't, the next year there'll be another six to eight jobs that'll be open. Because, again, these guys are. Guys are hiring guys that aren't qualified, and they continue to fail, and they'll continue to keep looking, and eventually when they get their chance, get a chance to be successful. Um, I understand Flores with the suit and all those different things, but, again, it's, it's, it's you know, if I buy a car, and I tell people, so if I buy a car and I want to put rims on it, if I want to put tints on it, it's my car. I can do what I want with it, right? And that's the same thing with these owners. So as frustrating as it is, you have to see it as they're going to hire who they're most comfortable with, um, and we just have to continue to, to keep fighting the fight and keep getting these opportunities when they come. And eventually I think they'll, they'll you know, one two times they'll say, you know what, this guy has been successful for 10 years. Let's see if he can, you know, change our organization around. MJD, that was a tremendous answer. You know, you have a lot of knowledge, a lot of knowledge you sit on there and with what you said about the enemy. That was nicely said with a minute to go. I'm shocked that he didn't get hired in this cycle because there were a lot of unqualified people compared to him. That's the issue. And I didn't like the fact that they made him go on that New Orleans interview for nine hours after they knew they were hiring Dennis Allen. That bothered me a lot. You don't bring him in. He probably is not going to – he'll downplay it because he got great experience. It's another interview under his belt. But we all knew New Orleans was going to hire Dennis Allen. The key to a sham interview is you don't bring in an African-American candidate if you know you're not going to hire him. And I think that's what took place in New York with the Giants and even New Orleans as they hired Dennis Allen, who's a very qualified coach. Yeah, I played for Dennis Allen. I, yeah. And this is what I would tell you. And, I, and, I, and no disrespect to New Orleans or anything, but um, they're $74 million over the cap and they don't have a quarterback. That's not a job that I would want to take. Yeah. And so, you know, again, they can hire whoever they want to, but that's that's a tough situation that they're in that they have to, to deal with. And if you're the enemy, um, that's a that's an uphill battle. And so, you want to go into a place where you you feel comfortable and you're comfortable uh, with what's going on there as well. It's not it's always it's not always as we saw in Jacksonville, um, you know, the Jags, the team hiring the the coach. The coach has to wants to be there as well. He has to want to see things a certain way as well for it to fit. So. Uh, I just didn't think that was a good fit for the enemy, just because of the structure and uh, the structure, of the salary cap, and how they're over seventy-four million, and you don't have a quarterback. You don't know how Jameis Winston's going to come back. Taysom Hill's banged up. I think he has a Liz Frank injury. They they have so much money tied into him. Now you have to draft a guy and start with a rookie. It, it just it's it's a lot there in New Orleans. So you know, I, know, I know Dennis Allen's been there. Um, he he understands the team and what's going on, but that's going to be a tough deal to deal with. MJD, thanks for doing this. Very valuable with your time. Uh, we'll have you on again. Enjoy Super Bowl weekend. We'll be watching everything on NFL Network as always. All right, thank you. You got it. Maurice Jones-Drew, wow, that was really good. He had some great responses to the questions we asked him. So when we come back, Lee Steinberg, the super agent, is here. We'll talk to Lee. 
He's got a lot to say. One of the sharpest people I've known throughout my career. Always a little surprised with Lee. He'll have something that he wants to tell me. We'll get to Lee coming up. Thanks again to Maurice Jones, Jew. Ronnie Lott will join us. But Lee Steinberg, my longtime friend, who still throws the best Super Bowl party in the business when we return on Raider Nation 920. They present a lot of challenges. There's, there's no wonder why they're in the Super Bowl. Our guys are excited for the opportunity, you know, to prove ourselves once again that, um, that we belong here and we can win this game. Back to Radio Row at the Los Angeles Convention Center. JT back with you as we continue. My longtime friend, the great agent, the great human being, and the man who hosts the best party at the Super Bowl, Lee Steinberg. How are you, Lee? I'm doing great, and doing an interview with you on Radio Row means the Super Bowl is really here. We've done a lot of these over the years. As we begin, you're a Rams fan, diehard from back in the day. Right. How excited are you for this Super Bowl? I'm fired up because uh, my dad took us to the L.A. Coliseum. Our seats were so Hi, JT, that you would have needed an electronic telescope to identify the players. But I fell in love with football and then um, rooted for the Rams. Obviously, I root for my players. But uh, the Rams is my childhood team. And then in 1994, they were getting ready to move to St. Louis. And I put together a committee of 125 people to save the Rams and was chairman. And we fought real hard, and we kept them for a while. We won one vote, but then they left. And I've been trying to bring a team back to Los Angeles ever since. What did you learn about that process when the Rams lost, and you put all your passion into that hard work and your legal expertise? The irony was that Georgia Frontieri got an upfront payment of $30 million, and that's what caused her to leave the nation's second-largest market. So when that team left St. Louis, they were valued at about $950 million, and now they're probably $3.5 billion. Do you like everything Stan Kroenke's done? Because the stadium had overruns. It was a year behind. Cost a lot of money to do it. He did it in the neighborhood of Englewood. Were you on board with all of that the way it came together? I thought it was great okay. and uh, because it's really hard to find that much open space in Southern California and it's really centrally located. But in Los Angeles, having grown up here, we like stars and the Rams have stars. We like exciting offensive football and they do that. We... Um, they have a stadium that now is a star in and of itself because people are sort of dazzled by it, and they're winning. So I think this game and the whole Super Bowl being here is going to really expand their fan base. Lee Steinberg is our guest. Mark Davis and the vision to go to Carson with the Spanoses, what happened there, I thought he won. He said he didn't like coming in third place initially, but it brought him to Vegas with all the money that the state gave him and the obviously the casino corridor. How do you think that deal has worked out so far as the Raiders really have a jewel out in the desert and Al Davis loved the desert? So remember all those years in which they said there'd be no sports in Vegas, you know, gambling and the association, and now you have teams 
that own part of the betting sites, right? And they're advertising it. And Las Vegas is a really hot market. Yeah. Because what you're seeing is when you travel to Las Vegas, you think of the casinos and the hotels. But there's a massive uh, full-time uh, uh, group of people living there, right? It's a big city now. It's it's huge, and it's it's flexing its muscles. So, first of all, who would have ever thought you could sell the concept of ice hockey in the desert? But they did. They, they had did. a marvelous uh, marketing plan, and they sold to the city. The Raiders have done the same thing, and, and it won't be long before an NBA team uh, comes there and maybe a baseball team. You represent Patrick Mahomes. I still think he's the best player in all of football. Just, it's, I think it should be obvious to everyone. The little struggle this year at the end of the Bengals game, I want to talk to him, talk to you about him as a human being and the relationship that you have with him, charity work, everything that's important to you about. So he is grounded, first of all. And if you like him on the field, you'll love him off the field. Second of all, he's got a generous heart, and he's concerned with other people. So it makes him a great leader because he would be here and he'd say, how are you doing, JT? Yeah. You know, what's happening with you? He's not self-absorbed. So, um, and he grew up with a baseball father so he saw the highs and lows and the first thing he did after they lost that game is he went right back into training for next year so it it uh, uh, a very bright very measured remember we turned down endorsements for him for the first year or two so he could prove to the people of kansas city that he was serious about football and cared about the community and now he has a 15 in the mahomes foundation that's uh helps youth charities lee steinberg is our guest can you compare him to any of your other legendary quarterback clients that you think there's a comparison to well he plays differently the whole game is different now the passing emphasis and now if you don't have a franchise quarterback um so you know you think steve young warren moon steve young would probably be the closest uh, uh warren moon i'm Troy. happy you mentioned warren moon Troy. i mean warren moon could, we have warren coming up a little bit later right warren could put up points at a level that patrick mahomes could put up points he could and you know he still can throw the football yeah absolutely so, like he, he played for 22 years seven in uh 23 seven in uh six in canada and 17 in the nfl I still talk about that with Warren. I've interviewed him. I can't even count how many times. I just can't believe that he was not capable of coming to the NFL, and he had to go to Canada where he loved it, had so much success. He's not bitter about it. He embraced it. It was a big chapter of his life. But it worked out so that we timed it that when his contract ended, there happened to be a USFL, the CFL, the NFL, and he was the first pure free agent to come back into the league at his prime, and no one had rights to him. So it set off this nationwide um, search um, where we probably visited 12 franchises and did a tour across the country, and, you know, it ended up with uh, Houston versus Seattle, and, and it was very dramatic. Lee Steinberg, as we wrap it up, Lee's been a longtime friend, and we've talked sports over the years. We've talked about life. Now let's talk about the party. 
because of all the Super Bowl parties I've been to of yours, which is most of them, how interesting was it scouting out the location when you're having it this year? What's happened is the NFL grabs every location now. Right. So uh, it's been difficult the last years, but I knew that 30 years ago when it was last year, I had a party on the back lot of 20th Century Fox, and Rupert Murdoch let us throw it on the street of old New York. And I knew we needed a studio. And the one where I had filmed part of Jerry Maguire was Sony Studios, which is the old MGM. So it's going to be great. We're having a brain health summit to deal with the concussion issue with neurologists. I'm bringing hyperbaric oxygen and and uh, stem cells and a whole bunch of modalities. We're giving awards for humanitarian service to um, Tom Telesco of the Chargers mm-hmm. and to Les Snead of the Rams. Um, and we're raising money for the Lantern Network. So... Um, this last year we were virtual, so this year yeah. it, it it let the circus come to town. You JG. know these virtual parties that the world has had for the last couple of years <laughs> need to come to an end. Finally, on a serious note, because all of our interviews have been about the lack of diversity in these hirings of NFL head coaches, and if you were representing an African American coordinator through this process here as an attorney, as a great agent, what would you be looking out for? to make sure that your client was treated properly? Well, first of all, you might see if they had a track record of ever hiring an African-American coach in the, in the past. Um, and you take a look at what their front office looked like in terms of diversity, and you take a look at what their current co- or last coaching staff was in terms of diversity. I mean, it, the sad thing about this issue is the league's gone backwards. We used to have more black head coaches yeah. than we did. There was a year where there were six, I think, and and now there are two, and that's just strange. It's unfortunate because a lot of people are affected by it now, and a lot of people are speaking up, and I think that's a good thing. I'll see you at the party. Okay. Thanks for so much for doing this. You're a great friend and continued success. Thank you, JT. There he is, Lee Sterling. Uh, Lee Sterling. Lee, Lee Steinberg, one of the greats, really a great human being a good friend, and someone who throws one hell of a party. Thanks, everybody, for making this happen as we continue. When we wrap it up here on Radio Row, Fred Bolitnikoff joins us next. We'll talk to my second dad in life, the guy I care about more than any inside and outside the Raider Nation. Always enjoy the conversation coming up next when we come back from Radio Row. Fred Bolitnikoff, MVP a Super Bowl eleven, will join us next. Then we have, who do we have here? Oh, man, then we have Sean Alexander and Warren Moon all live here on our set as we continue on. Man, I need a break badly when we come back. Billshappen.com. Billshappen.com. If you need cash, they're Raider fans. Billshappen.com. Is it more convenient to be in our own facilities? It is. Um, you know, that being said, I would imagine that for us on Thursday, if the winds look like they are, then we will probably go to the Rose Bowl to practice, which will be great. So we'll be able to get our work in. So that is not in the least bit of an inconvenience for us. You know, feel fortunate. I don't know if you say more relaxed, more experienced is always helpful. 
back to Radio Row at the Los Angeles Convention Center. What a day we're having. Ronnie Lott, Anthony Munoz, and my favorite guest, my biggest guest on my on his way to L.A. with his lovely wife, Fred Bolitnikoff, Hall of Famer, MVP of Super Bowl Eleven, joins us. Freddie, you ready to get on the plane? L.A.'s waiting for you. You're down in the jungle already, huh? <laughs> it is a Cincinnati jungle, the Rams. You just heard that soundbite. That was Sean McVay talking yeah. about the preparation, the weather coming in. Take me back to Super Bowl Eleven from the AFC Championship game, winning that, and what preparation was like as you headed to Pasadena. Oh, you know what? Well, the good thing with John, with Madden, was the fact that he, you know, he kept his schedule, just like we were going to play a regular game. You know, he didn't he didn't make anything harder. He made practices a little bit easier, and we were able to get a lot of rest. But you know, we 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 came we came we came down there, and you know, we had a good week of practice, an easy week. Uh, didn't do a whole lot. You know, he didn't didn't go out there and beat us up all week. Uh, he just gave us a chance to rest, and we did the, uh, We just did the normal things that we usually do, and just did a lot of repetition, you know, a lot you, of repeating. You know, and we did a lot of fundamental work. Uh, kind of got back on track on that, and uh, we're ready. We're ready to play. You know, because having that period of time, uh, such a span, you know, you kind of you might if you're not careful, you're going to lose a little bit. So he kept it nice and easy, fundamental wise just getting through everything that we did normally during the year. And just like I said, a lot of repetition work. Fred Boletnikoff joins us. Tell me about the crowd, the biggest crowd at the time for a Super Bowl. You played in big college crowds. We talked about that. But what was the crowd like when you were in the game on your way to winning the MVP? What do you remember about the enormity of that crowd? Oh, it was unbelievable. You know, being, you know, being down there in a Rose Bowl and uh, having 106,000 people. Uh, you know, when we first start, when we first ran out of the field early, you know, for our pregame warm-up stuff, uh, you know, you saw the people was packed, people were yelling, screaming, everything, and then uh, it, it was amazing. You know, it was amazing to be, especially be able to play in that stadium. You know, you know, all kids when you're in college, you look at the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and you're able to play in it, and with such a big game, you know, and then we just got down to business, and then. Uh, uh, got focused on what we were doing, and all of a sudden the crowd's not there, and then the game ends the way we wanted it to end, and the crowd's back. You know, you notice the crowd again. But it was phenomenal. It really was. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we, we battled our way back from years and years of frustration to finally get there and, and, you know, finally won the game. So, you know, everybody that was involved had gone through the same type of frustration that we all had on the team, majority of the guys. So it was good to go in there and win, and the team did. You know, all all three aspects of the team uh, played great. Yeah, was that was phenomenal. That was so great about Super Bowl Eleven. Everybody made plays. You got the MVP. That classic, iconic photo with you and Snake with the finger up after the game. Take me back to Snake and the struggle and then how he enjoyed that moment. It really, when I look back at the history of that game, and I, I've known you for so long, and I see the video of him when the game was clearly over with several minutes to play, it seemed like Snake was taking it all in on the sideline. When you see that video, Freddie, what do you think of? Well, you, you know something? It's, it's, it's amazing because, you know what, Kenny and I were such close friends. And, you know, with our guy Cliff, it was, you know, the three of us and the two of us at the time, 
you know, it was thinking all the times that, you know, we got there and we had a chance, but the door closed on us. And then finally, it was like, a, you know, you take that big relaxing breath and look at each other and say, hey, we finally did it. You know, we finally did it. We finally won. We finally won the Super Bowl. We got here. We beat them and we won outright. And uh, we didn't have to worry about some play killing us off. And uh, we made all the plays. Everybody made plays. Every Everybody. Special teams, uh, defense, offense is unbelievable. Fred Bolitnikoff joins us. Fred, there's a player now in Hunter Renfro, and I just love the story. I want to take all of our listeners behind the scenes. It's just great when you want to talk to someone. He wants to listen to you. He had a magical season. Everybody's talking about Cooper Cup, and rightfully so. He won the triple crown of receiving this year, one of the greatest seasons, the greatest season of all time if you add the regular season yards and the postseason yards. But the slot receiver and Hunter Renfro, how this league has evolved. Talk about him in that position, the slot receiver. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I just love the guy. He's just, to me, he's just fantastic. You know, he's gotten, you know, as the season went on, he just kept getting better and better and better. And, you know, it seemed like once he got the, the scent of he was going to be involved really more in the game, you know, as the game went on more and more, he just got better and better. The game was, the, There wasn't a game that was too big for him. You know, he was bigger than the game. And he went out there and performed. He went out there and uh, toughness. That, that guy has a lot of toughness. He can catch the football. He, he can score touchdowns, that's for damn sure. And he has that great quickness. You know, when you're, when you're inside there, he has that nice little burst in the speed. But he has that good foot and be able to move sideways you know, laterally, whatever he needs to do to stop, to go left, to go right, uh, give a little juke route and go up the field. Uh, he, he's just, he got to be a very accomplished guy in that slot this year, you know, and I was really proud of him because of the uh, standpoint that he just kept growing and growing as the season went on, and he just kept getting better and better. Fred Bolitnikoff as we wrap it up. Fred, finally, I think you're going to really enjoy this game because of the receivers. We mentioned Cooper Cup. Odell Beckham Jr. finally found a home, and he's playing at a very high level. And then yeah. Jamar Chase could be the best of all of them. What a freak <laughs> athlete he is. And this hey, Joe Burrow that, finds him. That guy's unbelievable. I'll tell you what. He, <laughs> now, I'll tell you what. I remember when he was when he was just coming out. We were talking with the Bolitnikoff Award and all of that, uh, you know, prior to uh, the award coming out, and uh, the guy's just unbelievable. I mean, he's just, you know what, you know what it is? He's he's just, he's a mature player. That's you know that's the, that's what he he that's what he puts himself off as out there a mature player. If you told somebody after watching him play said you know this is just a young guy, you would say no no this guy has to be a veteran guy, and and that's what he is. He's he's an impact player. And it's good to see him. It's good. It's good to see a young guy being able to play like that with that maturity. And it doesn't seem like the game is too big for him. He goes out there, makes spectacular catches, big plays. He's a big factor. He's a huge factor. Fred, last one. When everybody comes up and down Radio Row, they're selling something. They could be selling gum. They could be selling apparel, <laughs> whatever it is. Now we have Bolitnikoff wines, and this is. I'm telling everybody who's listening. This wine is fantastic. I have cases at my home. You got into the wine business with Angela. How'd that come about? That's, you know what? Angela's always looking for projects, <laughs> you know, and she, and, she, and she can find a project. And she started the wine 
in March of last year with, with uh, this E2 wine, uh, wine company uh, winery in, in Lodi, and it just kept going more and more. And uh, she, you know, she, listen, Angela's her own PR department. All right, she de- she doesn't have to hire a, de- a PR department. Okay, she can get out there and beat the streets and get things rolling. Uh, it'd be fantastic, and that's what she did and what she's done, and it's going along really, really well. You know, when she first started, I just said, "Listen, all I care about is the wine's good wine." All right, <laughs> she said, "Don't worry." And the one thing about Angela, when she she doesn't let you down, uh, she's fantastic at what she does, and. Uh, she's already got to play the wine up here at places in Roseville, and she just goes out there and beats the streets. You know, Angie, I'll tell you what, she'll get, she'll get out there and get the product moving, and she certainly has, really, and the wine is excellent. Well, look, travel safe getting down here. Yeah. I know you have a lot of uh, people who want to see you when you get to Los Angeles. We look forward to see you, and again, Thursday night, Cliff Branch, the call yeah. to get into the Hall of Fame. I know that's going to mean a lot to you and Angela, Mark Davis, and the circle of friends you have. Hopefully we can all celebrate together. I'm looking forward to it, believe me. All right? All right, Freddie. See you. Take care. Travel safe. Okay, buddy. There he is. That's Fred Bolitnikoff. And he just means everything to me. You know, I don't get a chance to see my dad often because he's on the other side of the country, and I talk to Fred almost every day, and he gives me a lot of advice about life. He's just a good man, and he is a king maker amongst the Raider Nation. And the Hunter Renfro story is real. I mean, the fact that there's a great picture of Freddie sitting on the bench with Hunter Renfro in Oakland. Or I think it might have been in Vegas. I thought it was in Oakland where he's sitting on the bench with him and Hunter's listening to him and Freddie's talking to him. And it's just an iconic photo because it's the young Fred Bolitnikoff, the young guy with great hands. And Freddie loves him. You heard what he said. He says, I love the guy. And it's just great to see that relationship maturing. And Fred's in Vegas often. I mean, he's coming down almost for every game because of the wines and what he's doing with his business, and he's always signing autographs. So really cool that he can join us from Radio Row. As Q asked us to do, we're knocking down gold jackets. We are knocking down Hall of Famers. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to take a real quick one, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to have Sean Alexander on, former MVP in 2005, and then Warren Moon. So that'll be the way we wrap up the show. Tomorrow, we're doing it again. Charles Woodson, Mike Haynes, Joe Theismann, all going to come down to the set and join us as we continue on Raider Nation Radio, live from Radio Row at the Super Bowl, the convention center in Los Angeles. This is, you know, something... New Orleans people talk about, to be honest. It's going to be an unbelievable experience, you know, seeing him play for the first time. Uh, I, think it, see, I didn't get to see him play against, you know, when he was with the Browns. But, you know, I'm excited to watch. You know, it, it should be a fun game. Back to Radio Row at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Jamar Chase, you just heard from in the season he's having, which is unbelievable. Fred Bolitnikoff talked about how great of a player he is. JT, back with you on Radio Row as we wrap up our coverage. I'm going to go a little bit late today on Raider Nation Radio because Warren Moon could only join us at 2 o'clock, so we'll take him, and then we'll lead into Q. Q will come up, and then Vinny Bonsignor, who is somewhere on site. I know that Vinny 
uh, took the shuttle and went over to the Roger Goodell press conference. And I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a question in. And if he did get a question, and that would be fantastic. Anybody else want to get a call in before we get out of here? We have a window right now at 702-365-9200 before we wrap it up here. Okay, we have a cut. Let's hear it. We've got the sound. I've been asking for that. Bobby came through. Here is Roger Goodell earlier at his State of the Union press conference. You know, part of our um, work has been done with the Fritz Bauer Alliance. Um, they have, uh, they're an independent body. Um, we don't agree on everything, but they have been extraordinary in helping us look at policies. The Rooney Rules example has changed many times over. I think we're on at least five or six changes, which is a, you know, a, a good thing in the sense of how it evolves, how it has to change to address the issues that we are facing today. And I think that's the core of the message that we've been talking about here is, okay, we're not having the success we want with head coaches. How do we evolve that rule? Or do we have to have a new rule? Do we, do we need to figure out some other way of being able to achieve that outcome? And I think we're not going to rest until we find that. Uh, and we get those kind of outcomes that I think are, um, they're mandatory for us. There, there just has to be the way we're going to, to move forward to have an inclusive league. That's a really important soundbite. I thought the commission was very good there. You don't have to like him. You don't have to be a big fan. But he summed it up. The Rooney rule is not working. They have to evolve the rule. They have to make it better or potentially you know, get out of the rule and find a way for the owner. How, does, how do the owners get better if they don't have a rule? You know, that, that's what's really tearing at me. If you don't have the Rooney rule, which is there to interview minority candidates, executives, and coaches, if you don't have that rule, then how do you expect the owners to follow along? So I don't get that. That's what's crazy about it. With the rule, they don't do a good job. And now they're supposed to do better without the rule? That doesn't make any sense to me. The other big topic is the NFL says that the Washington Commanders, that's a new name for the Washington football team, their hiring of an investigative firm won't stop the league from conducting its own inquiry into the sexual harassment allegations against Dan Snyder. So you want to see how quickly that topic moved. The Redskins, now the Commanders, said that they're going to have an in-house investigation, and basically Roger Goodell said, no, we're not. We're going to be involved with that, too. We'll get back to you. Sean Alexander is going to be here in a moment. Big Al in San Francisco, always checking in. You're live at the Super Bowl. What's happening? No, I'm just enjoying listening to, listening to the show. Um, you know, in terms of the, you know, the, uh, you know, the NFL and so forth, of these internal investigations, I mean, it's about time Roger, who I happen to like, I think, he, I think he does a good job in a real hard, hard circumstance. Why they ever let Washington kind of run, run amok as long as they have is kind of beyond me. Um, this is a guy that came out and said, well, you know, I'm just going to step aside and I'm just going to let, let my wife run the show. It's like, it, it's a mockery. And now Roger's going to step in. Well, let's see what happens, you know, because the NFL steps in on this thing. You know they're going to uncover a hell of a lot more than Daniel Snyder's pri you know, private investigators are going to find. It's been a mockery for many, many years. This is just not a six-month or a one-year thing or a, or a COVID-era thing. Um, well, well so, does, it bother, does it bother you as a fan? I mean, this is a fan. You're not an African-American fan and not a minority fan. When you see this, you're a guy well-thought, involved around the league. What do you think needs to happen to make this change? It bothers me from the standpoint that I feel that my intelligence is insulted every single time that some of these owners talk like, you know, they can just talk, they talk down, they patronize. 
say, well, we're, we'll do whatever we think is necessary, and and you know, and it will all work itself out. And after a while, you know, just after a while, especially the last two weeks, going over Brian Flores, and you know, the Washington been going back mm-hmm. for a long time, and whatnot. After a while, the patronizing thing is enough. We've seen it with the New York Giants for 30 years, and it just keeps going on and on and on. And I'm glad Goodell's stepping up and just saying. You guys might be my bosses, but enough is enough, and we have to get this thing under control because now we're starting to lose credibility. Well, you said that about the Giants. I think the Giants are the team that, if you look at their history of minority hires for the head coach position, they've won eight championships, four in the old NFL era and now four in the Super Bowl era. I think the light is shining on them more so than maybe any team in the league, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I, I I think it is, and I think it should. On the on, on on the minority hiring issue, and also the other ways that they've conducted their business, also, and it's you know it's time for the it's time for some of these for these owners who are now a lot of them are not their own men, okay, their families, the patriarchs, were the ones that made this league and drove this thing to success, and maybe their their sons, the second generation, kept it going, just like in private industry, it's no different, and now you have the third generations are running some of these teams. And, and a lot of them are silver spoons, and they don't run it properly. And that's, you know, let's, let's, see, let's see the cleanup. Let's see what happens. Snyder is a second-generation, or I think he's a second-generation real estate guy. Okay. Whether he's his own man or not, I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, I can't really say, but I can take a look around the rest of the league, and it's pretty obvious who is and who isn't. Thanks, Big Al. Appreciate the call. Thank you so much for checking in. Yeah, it's interesting. As a Giant fan who's worked around the Raiders, and he can see this big picture, as we continue on, we're able to wrap up the show with Sean Alexander, the former MVP, is kind enough to join us. So we appreciate Sean coming on, and thanks for doing this, Sean. Appreciate you. Whenever I get a chance to talk to a former MVP, multiple Pro Bowler, I appreciate it. How you been? I'm good. How you doing? Couldn't be better. Thanks a lot for doing this. Your excitement for this Super Bowl. This is an interesting matchup. Seems to be more about the quarterbacks and the receivers more so than the running game, which you were a star at. Yeah, and uh, the Bengals have a special running back too. But uh, but it's really special. You know, since Cincinnati, I, I remember being in sixth grade and the teacher rolling out a TV because they wasn't on flat screens yet uh, to watch the Bengals uh, fly out for uh, the Super really? Bowl to play against the 49ers. I was in sixth grade. Anthony Munoz was the left tackle. The running back was James Brooks. The uh, the uh, um, the, stu- the superstar fullback was Icky Woods. Icky Woods, yeah. In uh, sixth grade, I, I remember it well. So I've got a got a special love with them, and and of course uh, Joe Burrow. You know, it's, I gave him the Maxwell Award at the college award show, and uh, we got to work on uh, with uh, stand together and skill up. We got to work on a special project to help raise money and food, and actually jobs for people in southeastern Ohio. So. So there's a little partiality I have for Cincinnati uh, for this game. It's- That's excellent. Sean Alexander joins us. You won a lot of personal achievement awards, but your legacy has also been off the field. Yeah. Talk about your big goals in life and what you're achieving now. Yeah, you know, I've always wanted to be a person that, that promoted family. You know, my wife and I, we just had baby number 12. <laughs> Oh, that is so cool. 12. Yeah, we just have baby number 12. Nine girls and three boys. The oldest is 18. The youngest is six months. And uh, and I just always wanted to be a person that to let people know that family is like the greatest team you ever be on. And then football, right? <laughs> so, uh, and so, uh, so you know, so the things I got to do on the football field was, was helping pull a group together. You know, I, I was – 
so totally blessed to go to University of Alabama, you sure. know, the football dynasty, and then and then to come to Seattle, which was totally night and day. It, it wasn't like that, and to help us build a program where like people see today, like oh yeah, they're always good. I'm like yeah, they are no, now. that's a big point because yeah. you help change the culture yeah. and build greatness in Seattle. And that's when right. I go up there and I I work the sidelines for a preseason game, I say it's one of the Fourth quarter right. of a preseason game. That's right. It's one of the loudest venues I've ever been to. Yeah, we, we created that culture. There was uh, there was people that didn't know how to lo- win, and losing was kind of acceptable. And then here I come in, just, you know, try to be humble, but very, very focused about what I wanted. And I was like, nah, we don't lose. And so we're going to fix that here. And we started with winning at home, and, and it just went well and got to get our get our Super Bowl shot and went in the division four years in a row. And we were that we were that team. And then, of course, we all get old and leave on, and, and then Pete Carroll comes in. And uh, whenever I see Russ they, and, and Marshawn, you know, they came in, they were like, yeah, we just – carried on what you started <laughs> you so did start good. something special sean alexander joins us i gotta ask you with 12 kids how do you get a boys trip like this it's kind of a it's a business trip i it know is. but when you get together with your former teammates you know you hear about fishing trips or we're yeah. going to play golf what do you do it seems like if you have 12 kids you can never get away you just gotta make it count when you have it you know yeah, I, mean? I love like, that you, know, you gotta make it count so uh, I've, I've been a person that has been very intentional and so I'm very intentional with the kids very intentional with the wife trips and and then very intentional when it's the, the Super Bowl and guy trips. Tell us what we're here promoting because Cafe Momentum, tell yeah. us all about that. Yeah, so, you know, Cafe Momentum is a restaurant in Dallas that, uh, you know, Chad Hauser was this superstar chef that had this great restaurant. He did a he did a cooking class with some kids in a juvenile system, and it just rocked his world. He realized he, he kind of judged those kids in there and realized that they needed a chance. They needed a family around them. And so he... He changed his restaurant to to that a nonprofit restaurant in Dallas, and uh, they have social workers, psychologists, after school teachers, tutors, and he put a family around these kids. And the recidivism for these kids that go into juvenile system is usually fifty percent, and theirs is fifteen percent. And I could talk about the the wow, they're not going to prison, but the success rate of these kids—they're college graduates now, and and they're working at hospitals and things like that. It's been amazing. So. I decided to throw a, 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 a dinner at the draft in Nashville a few years ago, and then we did a dinner at the Super Bowl in Miami two years ago, and now we're doing one here in L.A. because my goal was to try to put a cafe momentum in every NFL city. And so we have one in Dallas. We just started the groundbreaking for Pittsburgh and Nashville, and then we're going to announce uh, Friday um, the, the newest one in L.A. I'd like to help in Vegas if I can. You know, yeah, we're on Vegas. the flagship of the Raiders and doing a national show, and uh, we'll exchange information if there's anything I can help you with in That'd Vegas. This sounds like that would be a perfect city to get this going in. I think so, too. I think so, too. And I've got some good connections out there. And so, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, of course, since Dabble's up in Cle- Cle- Clemson, I've, I've connected with a lot of guys uh, good. that are there. So, so um, yeah, so there's a Hunter Renfro is there now. So it's, it's – and then Josh nice Jacobs, yeah. yeah. So you know, so there's some guys that I would, I would, I would help be the face of our organization. CafeMomentum.org. Yep. CafeMomentum.org. Yep. Thanks, Sean. You had a great career. You're a better person off the field, and you had a brilliant career. That says a lot. Thanks yeah. for doing this. Hey, thank you. Appreciate you coming out. by. Yeah, you go. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. There he is. Appreciate him joining us here as we wrap up the show on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Thank you so much. Thanks to Bobby for producing the show. We're going to get Warren Moon in here as we wrap it up, and then Q is going to take over. Thank you, Sean. We're good. Appreciate that. What a day today. Let's go through all of our guests if I can get through it. Wow, I had Ronnie Lott, Anthony Munoz. We'll play that tomorrow. Tomario Davis, 
all-star linebacker from the Saints, Sean Alexander, Rich Gannon, Steve Mariucci, Bill Romanowski, Maurice Jones-Drew, Fred Bolitnikoff, Lee Steinberg. That's a day, and i got to come back and do it from 7 to 10 p.m. right from this location tonight. Going to get a bit of a break, but when we come back, Q will take over after I wrap it up with Warren Moon. Keep it here, everybody. Thanks to Bobby again on Raider Nation Radio.